And our goal was 100 people. So we were not prepared for 300 people to show up that day. One year I wore an inflatable dinosaur outfit and they float. So just know if you're wearing inflatable, you will not completely plunge. It is my first podcast. I'm really excited. Does it feel different? Uh, No, not yet. It's going to. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm Ken Cooper. And you know, this podcast might feel different for you too. You never know. This is Around River City. And those two ladies are Amy Schmidt and Carrie Glady, both of the Lacrosse Parks and Rec Department, and both here to talk about the Polar Plunge. It is coming up on March 5th. You can still check it out. You can still be a part of it. PolarPlungeWI.org is where you can get all the information. And if you want to know a little bit more about the Polar Plunge and Special Olympics of Wisconsin, well, you've come to the right place. We're going to talk about that next. This is Around River City. I'm Ken Cooper. And by the way, you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you download your podcast. It's absolutely free. And you can uh, check out all the episodes of this podcast at aroundrivercity.com. And we are here today to talk about the Polar Plunge. It all benefits the Special Olympics. It uh, benefits you as well. Uh, One of the things that Carrie said that I really like is uh, she called it a cool event for warm hearts. And it really is. So let's get right into it and find out a little bit more about Amy and Carrie. Carrie, you go first. Okay, you you are the assistant director of the Lacrosse Parks and Recreation Department, correct? Correct. Yep. And how long have you been doing that? Um, for a couple of years, I've been the assistant director. Okay. Okay. And Amy Schmidt. Yes. You are the unified coordinator for the Lacrosse Parks and Rec Department. Yes. Now, when I asked you earlier, what unified? director means you kind of got this look like oh I don't want to have to explain that is that did I read that correctly it um it encompasses a lot I mainly was hired in um 2017 to restart our Camp Shriver program um so I restarted Camp Shriver and um it is still running we still love it and uh since then I've also kind of taken on other roles so special recreation um I help with a lot of the planning for events that we do for our athletes and participants and then I also just took on the role of special olympics coordinator so I'm now working with special olympics Wisconsin um to have our programs running and uh Get everyone, make sure they're registered, medical forms are in, and they have a place to practice. So it sounds like the term unified coordinator is a euphemism for... Chaos coordinator Chaos, might be go. a good there one. Go. Yes. Well, I'll tell you, it's a it's a big project every year. And you, you mentioned Camp Shriver, and that name is very important to the Special Olympics. And I, I do want to talk about that uh, a little bit later on. But first, I want to talk about... Well, first of all, clarify something, uh, Carrie, I, that's always, um, I've never been quite sure the connection between the Lacrosse Parks and Recreation Department and Special Olympics of Wisconsin. Sure. So Special Olympics programs um, are throughout the state of Wisconsin. And so programs are hosted by school districts. They're hosted by um, YMCAs. Um, some are just small programs that a mom of an athlete might be doing out of their home. Um, here in Lacrosse, we're a community-based program, and it's um, done through the Lacrosse Parks and Recreation Department. So the city has really taken on Special Olympics as a program that they're really passionate about. And so we're able to hire part-time instructors and coordinators that help run that program. So 
Our program in La Crosse is one of the second largest in the state of Wisconsin behind the Milwaukee public school system. Um, and so we have a lot of athletes that participate year round in our programs. And so that's kind of where the connection to the Parks and Rec is, comes in. Why do you love being a part of uh, the Special Olympics and the Polar Plunge in particular? Well, Polar Plunge um, really is, a, I love it. I was actually one of the three people who started it here in La Crosse. So um, at that time, uh, Randy Williams was the police chief in Alaska, And then Bill Fish, who worked for the Parks and Rec and Special Olympics, um, and I went to a conference in Anchorage, Alaska in 1998, and we saw a polar plunge. And so while we were waiting for a flight back to Wisconsin, we sat in a bar called Humpy's in the airport, <laughs> and like the whale, Humpy's the whale. Yeah. And we actually, we asked the waitress for some like old menus that we could make notes on, and we just started writing notes about how to do a polar plunge and what could we do when we get back to lacrosse to do a polar plunge. And so the polar plunge is really near and dear to me because it's... This will be our 24th year, and I've been involved since the beginning. And it was the first one in Wisconsin for Special Olympics, and has now become a huge event for the organization. Are, are, are there other states that do polar plunges? I mean, obviously Alaska did one that you happen to see. Was that for Special Olympics as it well? It was. Or? It was a conference okay. for law enforcement torch run, and they did a plunge there. And so Minnesota does them. They're very successful in Minnesota as well. Um, Iowa does polar plunges. They're done around. The, Florida does polar plunges. Not quite the same, but they do them. Oh, um, give me a break. <laughs> Come um, on. But they are, they are done throughout um, all over the United States for Special Olympics. Amy, why do you love being a part of uh, Special Olympics? And what do you love about the polar plunge? Well, I love that the money goes to Special Olympics. It's a cold, cold event, but I love it. Um, so I love the athletes, really, for Special Olympics. It is really the athletes that keep me there. Um, they are amazing. I learn so much from them. So uh, that is really why I love working with Special Olympics. The Polar Plunge is such a fun event, too, because it's just the community coming together and embracing Special Olympics and raising that money for Special Olympics and just showing the support. And I just see how much that means to our athletes. Mm-hmm. It's always fun, too, at the Polar Plunge because our athletes are there. They're plunging, they're volunteering, they're judging the costumes, so they're really involved in the event, too. It's not just for Special Olympics, but the athletes are really there and taking a part in the event, too. This is Around River City, and we're talking the Polar Plunge coming up on March 5th at Black River Beach. It all benefits you and, of course, the Special Olympics of Wisconsin. I'm Ken Cooper, and when we come back with Carrie and Amy... I'm going to ask the big question. This is Around River City. It's the podcast about all the people, the places, the events, the businesses that all make this such a cool place to live. Thanks for being a part of the conversation. Let's get right back into it with Carrie Glady and Amy Schmidt. We got together to talk about the polar plunge, so I had to ask the one big question. Have you plunged? Yes. I have plunged, yes. Not every I don't plunge every year. It's oh, kind of a busy okay. day. That's okay. But I have oh, of course. I have plunged. I plunged the first year with some athletes and then I plunged a few times in year ten and a few times in year twenty. Okay. And before I forget, I just wanna uh, I I wanna let everybody know the the one bit of strategy that I have for the polar plunge, because I have plunged, I think I've plunged twice. Uh, don't wear a lot of clothes. The first time we plunged, there's a lady that the three of us know. The, <laughs> Uh, she jumped in with like two layers of sweat clothes on and 
you can't do that. Just takes on water. It just takes yeah. on that cold, cold water. So a little bit of advice, pro tip here, life hack. Uh, just wear a, a swimsuit, uh, guys. I would not even wear a shirt. Um, just get in there, right? Is that good advice? That's great advice. Less is more, and I always recommend shoes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I would say, too, um, one year I wore an inflatable dinosaur outfit, and they float. So just know if you're wearing inflatable, you will not completely plunge. <laughs> Did you lose a bet or did somebody raise enough money that made you do oh, that? Oh, no, or? I just did it because I love dinosaurs okay. and am well known for that. So the athletes loved oh, it. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, it was worth it then. Oh, definitely. And you probably stayed pretty dry. Uh, yeah, I did stay pretty dry because I, I think I got up to my knees before yeah. I couldn't do anything else. Yeah, we might have to take care of that this year and rectify <laughs> that situation. I will be going all the way in this year, <laughs> yes. There's... It, it is a huge event, the Polar Plunge. Uh, it, it seems like it, and it's there's a camaraderie to it that's just incredible. You don't find it in too many events. It's not something most people do alone. Like you can be a part of a fun run or something on your own. I don't think anybody does the Polar Plunge alone. No, most people find a friend. <laughs> it's more fun with a friend. Um, but we have teams of two to teams of 52, so it really doesn't matter how big your team is. But yeah, it's a fun Fun event for friends, family, coworkers, everybody to get together and, and do something fun for a day. Is it hard to be a part of it? Or is it hard to, I don't have to train or anything. No, not at all. You just go into the water and then you come back out of the water. No training necessary. <laughs> we no, even let's have... amend that for a second. You go into the water and you think to yourself, why did I just do that? Then you get out of the water. Very true. And there's always that high five that you're looking forward to because we do have our safety group there that will be there to save you so no one's drowning. And uh, so you run to the fence and give someone a high five and then run your way out again. It seems chaotic when you just look at it, but you guys really have it all together. I mean, you know what you're doing. It's been a few years, so we kind of have it down pat. But yeah, yeah, we try to keep it pretty organized and... Um, I think one of the fun aspects is that each group gets to fill out a card about their team. So when they plunge, the MCs are able to read information about that group, how much money they raised, um, some famous last words, you know, if you were a cold weather animal, what would you be and why? So there's a lot of fun information that people can share about their group and their team as well. So that makes it fun, too, because you kind of learn a little bit about the groups and people dress up and it's just a really fun day. You know, we talk about the polar plunge and how cold it is, but I always get, uh, I don't mean to get all mushy, but I get a warm feeling. There's a, there's a lot of warmth. I mean, once you've done it and you look around at all these other crazy people that are doing it, I mean, it really, is it too, am I getting too mushy or is that, I think that's accurate. There's a warmth to it. There is. Cool event for warm hearts, right? Um, no. Hey. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it is. It's the camaraderie of everybody coming together and, um, you know, every the anticipation of your first-time plungers, you know, the nervousness of first-time plungers and everybody there supporting them. It'll be, you know, um, you can do it. And we've got kids plunging, so just having people cheer on the kids that are plunging. And it's just, yeah, it's an amazing day of just seeing how many people are supporting, supporting the organization. And it's good to know the money stays regional, stays in this area. There's not some big corporate entity taking up 90 cents of every dollar. Right. That's that's very good to know. I, and I ask that so directly because I think a lot of people, we've, we've heard stories, and I think we want to make sure that's not the case. Um, my daughter is 12, and she wants to plunge. And I said, oh, awesome. Let's, 
let's get together as a family. We'll plunge. And she gave me this look that I could instantly tell meant, I don't want to plunge with you, Dad. I want to plunge <laughs> with my friends. So what should I tell her and her friends to do to uh, get themselves registered for the Polar Plunge? Um, go to our website and start a team. So you can go to polarplungewi.org and you can start a team or join a team if you have somebody already started a team for you and just get yourself registered. And then you can send links to friends and family. I think you can share share it on Facebook so that you can get donations um, and then people can donate right to that website as well. So start a team, join a team or donate at polarplungewi.org. Do we have a goal this year? Um, our goal is to... Uh, I say 50,000. I I hope to hit the 50,000 mark this year just by taking a year off. Mm -hmm. um, but our goal is to raise at least $50,000 for Special Olympics yeah. this year. And there's a lot of different ways that you can uh, that you can support the the Polar Plunge. I mean, you don't there are ways to not even go in the water, and I don't mean wearing an inflatable dinosaur <laughs> outfit, but there are ways to stay dry, right? Yeah, we have the two chicken options. So if you're too chicken to plunge, um, we started this quite a few years ago, but it's been really successful because there's people at at a family in a family, a person at a company who's just like, I can't do it, I'm never going to do it, and that's okay, but they can still be a part of the team and register as two chicken and then still take the or, be a part of the plunge without getting their feet wet. So um, those the two chickens often end up being the cameramen for the day or camera women for the day. Sure, so they're because sure. they can go right down to the water's edge, take all the pictures, and they don't have to get wet. My guess is they'll be the designated driver at the after party too. That, that could be uh, too. <laughs> the teams might. They might get wet because I think a lot of people come out of the water and start hugging that person, but <laughs> but otherwise they don't have to get their feet wet. And if if you are worried about the whole, it's super cold and all of that. You folks take such good care of us plunge. Um, that it's you, there's almost nothing to worry about. Yeah, I mean, we do have heated tents for everybody, so there's places to stay warm if it's a chilly day. We do have hot tubs. Some people elect to use them. Some people choose not to. Um, and then we always have emergency personnel standing by, and we always have dive rescue there every year. They've been amazing. They've, they cut the hole in the ice, and they're there um, throughout the entire event in the water, making sure everybody is having a safe event and retrieving glasses and shoes and things like that that get lost. <laughs> yeah, that's another bit of, that's another life hack pro tip. Don't wear a lot of uh, jewelry and things like that and leave your glasses wrapped up in your shoe or something or your pants pocket or something yeah, like that. Yeah, we actually keep a box. So we try to remind everybody, take your glasses off, put them in this box and grab them on your way back out. Um, but yeah, so we see a lot of people wearing flip-flops and then all of a sudden you see everybody run in and then you see everybody come out in flip-flops just floating around in the, in the plunge area. <laughs> Okay, uh, Amy, what's your advice for plungers or people that want to, any advice for people at any part of the of the process so far? I would say just come ready to have fun. It, the whole event is fun. We have food for sale. Um, everyone's wearing a smile. And really, if you're nervous about taking the plunge, it is literally a minute of the time. And uh, then you're done. And it is honestly such a fun event to come. And there is so many people there. So um, just come, make sure you're talking to people, meet some athletes. We always have athletes there and I'm sure they will be saying thank you for plunging. Um, so that's my advice. Just be ready to have fun. Don't worry. Don't get stressed. 
the two biggest things I hear is I don't know if I can do it. And it's the anticipation. It's that standing there waiting to do it. And then I always hear that wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Um, so that anticipation is worse than actually doing it. And then I always get the I don't know if I can raise $75. And then I get the people who are like, I didn't think I could get $75. And I got to 350. So just once you start fundraising, it'll come. And once you get down there, you'll be nervous. First time plungers are always a little nervous. But once you do it, it's it's so easy to do. Absolutely. And another advantage is you've got bragging rights. I wear plunge shirts everywhere, too. I'm always wearing a plunge shirt. And so you'll go to the grocery store and they'll be like, did you actually do that? I, I don't know if I could do that. Did you actually survive it? I'm like, yep, I'm here talking about it. I'm wearing the shirt. I survived. Um, but yeah, it's funny how many people will comment. Did you actually do the polar plunge? But Yep. Bragging rights. Pretty good incentive, if you ask me. I'm Ken Cooper, and this is Around River City. Today, it's a conversation with Carrie Glady and Amy Schmidt. They both work for the La Crosse Park and Rec Department, and they're both working very hard to put together this year's Polar Plunge. It's happening on March 5th at Black River Beach. You still have plenty of time to be a part of it. Just go to polarplungewi.org, and you'll get all the information that you need. When we come back, we're going to talk with Carrie and Amy about the very beginnings of the Polar Plunge here in La Crosse. This is Around River City. I'm Ken Cooper. Thanks for being a part of Around River City today. I'm talking with Carrie Glady and Amy Schmidt from the La Crosse Park and Rec Department and also working with Special Olympics of Wisconsin for the Polar Plunge, which is coming up soon. Again, the website to get more information about the Polar Plunge and to be a part of it yourself is polarplungewi.org. So I was curious, and I asked Carrie about the very first polar plunge here in La Crosse. We had no idea that it would be what it is today. I was going to ask you uh, about, do you remember the, the first polar plunge here in the area? Sure do. What year was that? 1999. 1999. Yeah, okay. we were supposed to do it at, um, in Alaska, on Lake Alaska, And I want to say it was Red, I don't know what it's called now, Red Sails. And now it's... There's a restaurant right on Lake Alaska. I can't think what it's called. Mm, okay. But it had burned down like right before we were supposed to plunge. And oh. so we ended up still doing it at that location. And our goal was 100 people and to raise $10,000. So we were not prepared for 300 people to show up that day. And we were you had to plunge before you got your sweatshirt. And so everybody <laughs> plunged. And then they're standing there shaking and shivering. And we're digging through boxes trying to find their sweatshirt. Um, so we changed a few things since then. But yeah, I remember the first one was out in Lake Alaska, And it was way bigger than we anticipated it being. And, and was the polar plunge as connected with Special Olympics then as it is now? Mm -hmm. it was, yeah, okay. 100%. Was it more difficult then to get those people to jump than it is to get people to plunge these days? Um, I think there's more opportunities for like, people have plunged. You know, a yeah. lot of people have taken the plunge. I think um, back then it was such a new event and a lot of people hadn't done it and or even kind of knew what they were getting into. But um, yeah, we and, you know, that was before online registration and online donations. So we really didn't know what we were expecting that day. But we were amazed when 300 people showed up. What, I was, you were, had to be more than amazed. What did you think? Um, it was unbelievable. My husband told me that nobody was going to pay money to jump into a lake, and he couldn't believe we were doing this. So I like to remind him of that every year when we're getting ready for the plunge. Like, remember you thought this was a terrible idea? Um, but yeah, we I, we were not expecting the turnout that we had. And we had to move the next year. We moved to Black River Beach because we all grew our space. Okay. We had no parking, and 
we were in a tent and we just, we had no idea what we were doing the first year, but it was interesting. You have had to move around a few times, uh, the location of the plunge. Yeah. So the first year at Lake Onalaska, then we moved to Black River Beach and we were there until 2010, I think, or 2009 when the Black River Beach Neighborhood Center got built, we moved to Pettibone. And so then we were there for quite a few years and we recently moved back to Black River Beach. I'll, I'll give you a question, Amy. What are, what are some of the things that are done with the money that's raised? That's a great question for me. Oh, for you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's shift on over to Carrie. Carrie, well, what so, are some of the things that are done with the money that's raised? So the money raised from Polar Plunges stays in our region. And we're lucky that because of our partnership with Special Olympics through the Park and Rec, we get a portion of the money to for our local program. So locally, um, the money used in our program is a lot is used for transportation because our athletes go to competitions across the state. We pay a lot of money every year just in our transportation costs for busing. So a, a good chunk of the money that we get from the polar plunge is used for transportation and then also used for some uniforms, practice space, like for bowling, we have to pay fees. So we use that money to help offset a lot of our costs. So our athletes participate at a very minimal cost or in some cases at no cost at all. And then regionally, the money is used for all of our competitions. So we host different competitions for athletes. Um, one example is in the summer, we host the bocce softball tennis tournament here in La Crosse on Alaska area. And so any fees for facilities, meals, medals, ribbons, T-shirts for volunteers, all that money raised from the plunge helps offset those costs. And then the athletes compete at those tournaments at no cost. What do the, the Special Olympians think uh, of so many people doing this for them? What kind of things do you hear? Um, they just really feel supported, which is awesome because we're talking about a population that doesn't necessarily always feel that support. But I feel like here in La Crosse is just an amazing place for our athletes because um, they just have so much support. The police department is like they're pretty much best friends with the police department. And that's neat to see. Um, but just seeing all the plungers, they just feel really supported and really um, seen and like they matter. Hmm. Our athletes form really good connections with our volunteers. So a lot of our volunteers plunge or help. And our um, she had mentioned law enforcement. Law enforcement has really, I think for over 40 years, has taken on Special Olympics um, through the law enforcement torch run. It's kind of their charity that they really support. And so law enforcement is a really important aspect of Special Olympics through volunteering and putting on events like this um, and all of our other events, the Dunkin' Donuts, Cap on a Rooftop, the Cap's Gone Wild at Buffalo Wild Wings. So law enforcement's a really active role. So those relationships between our volunteers, between the plungers with our um, law enforcement are such important connections that our athletes have. Tell me about Special Olympics outside of March. Are there ways to support or ways anybody can be a part of it uh, outside of plunging? Yeah, our, so our program is a year-round program for Special Olympics. Our athletes are competing all year long in different sports um, and different sports seasons. So there's always opportunities to volunteer. Um, we also do programs that some people, we started a craft club because someone really liked to do crafts and wanted to share that skills with our participants and share their passion for doing arts and craft projects. And so that's how that project or that program started 20 some years ago. Um, so it's really, yeah, you can get involved in numerous ways. We're always looking for coaches, Camp Shriver counselors, volunteers to help at all of our programs. And so there's a lot of opportunities to support the organization throughout the year. You as we all have faced unique challenges um, the last few years, 
Um, what have been some of those challenges that you've had to take care of? I think the biggest thing is the um, lack of opportunities for athletes right now. Um, with the pandemic, every you know we weren't we're not able to practice. We weren't able to practice for quite some time. So, just the um, opportunity for athletes to be with each other and to really have those connections, and then also not being they want to practice. They want to be playing basketball. They want to be doing downhill skiing and not being able to do some of those sports during the time has been really, I think, really tough on everybody. And it, it was hard not to see the athletes for months at a time when our facilities were closed and we were not practicing and um, not seeing the athletes for, for months on end was really kind of hard because you're used to seeing them almost every day. And, you know, they brighten your day when they come in your office and want to tell a story or they want to drop something off. So it was really hard to not see them and not have opportunities for them for over a year. Another reason to look forward to being together at the Polar Plunge. It really is. It really is. Oh, go ahead. Well, I just want no, to mention a couple things. Yeah. One is that this is the 50th anniversary of Special Olympics Wisconsin this year. Thank you. I was going to ask about that. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. And so they'll be celebrating that this July at our um, state games that will be our first state games. I think we've had since the pandemic. That'll be an overnight games. Um, so that'll be in July. So that's really exciting to celebrate our 50th anniversary of Special Olympics Wisconsin being an organization. And then um, what's the other thing I was going to say? <laughs> oh, I know what I was going to say. This oh. year's National Games year, too. So oh, yes. um, we have two athletes from lacrosse that are going to be competing at the Special Olympics National Games. And so those will be held in Orlando, um, Florida, in June. And so um, Bunny and Heather are the two athletes from lacrosse that are going to be competing down there in Bocce, Team Bocce for Team Wisconsin. So it's really exciting to have our athletes get those opportunities to travel and compete at national and world games as well. Go Team Wisconsin. I know, right? Pretty exciting. Where is Camp Shriver? So this year, Camp Shriver will be run out of Red Cloud Park. Um, it is a day camp, so it's run 8 to 5, Monday through Friday. Um, we have five camps this summer, so um, it is it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, Red Cloud Park is, we in the past have run it out of some of the schools or Myrick Park, but this year... Um, Red Cloud Park really called to me. So it kind of seems like the perfect place, a very inclusive um, area with mm -hmm. accessibility. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the Special Olympics. And uh, that's where the name Shriver comes in uh, sure. with Camp Shriver. Yes. So actually, um, Special Olympics started as Camp Shriver. Uh, in the 1960s, Eunice Kennedy Shriver was approached by a mother and their son was unable to attend a camp because they had developmental disabilities. And so Eunice Kennedy Shriver said, let's make a camp. So for four years, she ran a camp out of her backyard, which was a lot bigger than mine. But, uh, and she ran this camp. And then after the four years, some more organizations got together with her and it built into what is Special Olympics now. So it was a very sports-based camp, Camp Shriver. Um, and then I wanted- And where, this was in, where was this? That was on Eunice Kennedy Shriver's estate. Yes, this would have been out so, east. Oh, yeah, okay. it was out east, definitely. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Because I know that now the University of Massachusetts does have a Camp Shriver that they run. Okay. Um, our, or, excuse me, our Camp Shriver is a little different, though. When I was approached by Carrie and Kat to restart the program, I um, was a therapeutic recreation major, 
and said, I would like to take it in a different direction. So rather than focus on sports, I want to focus on the inclusion aspect of it. So Camp Shriver that we run in La Crosse actually is more inclusion-based. We like to create a safe space so that the kids can come together and just kind of learn from each other. So it becomes a normal thing to interact because it's for kids with and without disabilities. So it's a way for kids that don't have disabilities to maybe ask some of those questions they may not understand and just interact with the kids in normal everyday activities. So we're doing team building activities, we have inclusion activities, physical activities, we do a music camp where Life in Harmony music um, therapists come and do a music experience. We make music instruments out of um, recycled materials and at the end they have a concert and so it's just a really fun fun space for them to interact and have fun together i'm i'm glad that you said that it involves uh kids with and without disabilities because i've always thought that so much of the education that has to happen is how can people without disabilities learn to be accepting of and and interact with people with Mm -hmm. disabilities i think there's a Um, for some people there might be just an aversion, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, it's easier to just turn your back and walk in the other direction. But I think that teaching young people, uh, how to interact is, might be one of the most important things you do. It really is. And it's something that they can carry through, not just that week at camp, but when they go back to school and when they're out in the community. So it's just really important for for both groups that are at the camp. Yeah. And the website, again, one more time. PolarPlungeWI.org. PolarPlungeWI.org. We'll have all the information at AroundRiverCity.com as well. Uh, Amy and Carrie, thanks for spending the time telling us about Special Olympics and uh, the Polar Plunge. Looking forward to it this year. Yeah, thanks for having us on our first podcast. How Thank was you. It? How was it? Was Fa- it? It was fabulous. It was great. Just like having a conversation. <laughs> I mean, we didn't talk about true crime, but... <laughs> No, we did not. We're, I'm going to stop recording before you start. Going through crime. Yeah, that's uh, another thing that I learned about Amy during our conversation is besides dinosaurs, she loves true crime podcasts. So <laughs> the things you learn when you sit down and have a conversation. Thanks to Amy and also Carrie Glady for sitting down for their first podcast and talking about the Polar Plunge and Special Olympics of Wisconsin. And if you want more information on how you can be a part of the Polar Plunge this year or anytime, you can go to polarplungewi.org. I'm Ken Cooper. Thanks for being a part of the conversation on Around River City.